sometimes it's a budget and sometimes it's counseling and sometimes it's taking a break and going and hiking in the woods. Sometimes, and sometimes it is a bubble bath, but like made this like self-care thing, not actually what it, what it really is. Self-care is like digging in to your innermost self and like working on that stuff. I'm Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey, Wine and Shiners. Today, we have a very interesting episode for you guys that really, really touched our hearts in a way that I don't think we were expecting when no, we started the recording. Not. So um, today we're talking with Amber Runyon, who started the 11th Candle Company, and that's local here in Columbus. And if you go to their website, 11thcandleco.com, you can read the details all about Amber's story. It's really amazing. Basically, um, Cliff Notes version, she saw the parallels of um, human trafficking that was going on when she was doing medical mission trips overseas and what was actually happening in Columbus. And I think the takeaway for us that we learned were two things that I took away. First of all, human trafficking is not at all what I thought. Like right. we picture like a runaway girl, like in drugs and like that's There's part a of movie. it. There's a movie. It's a big time movie. And I can't remember the name offhand where it's all about human trafficking and we'll have, we'll have to Google it. Uh, I don't know. I know we'll have to Google it. But that's the picture I had in my head was obviously like a rundown community, a very poor, like, or maybe drug addicted woman who gets into this, this sort of work. Mm-hmm. And what we learned, like you were saying, Liz, what we learned was that it's people around us. It's your us. neighbor. Yeah. It's your, your friend's kids. Mm-hmm. And, we and learned, they look just like you or me. Yeah. And there's um, a lot of, you know, we think of social networks as such a great thing. And a lot of times they are. And we've seen some of the uglier sides of social media. But one that I did not know was that people were using that as a platform to get these girls into Young trafficking girls. by, you know, having them following their Instagram and like getting to know them personally or suggesting that they model or do acting. There's all kinds of like kind of scary ways that they're they're coercing regular looking not regular looking, but people you would never suspect yeah. into this world. Yeah. And I think that what I also found cool out of the conversation was the common thread was really um, teaching these women that they are valued and they are worthy and teaching them self-love all over again so that they could find purpose in their life. And she talks about, she kind of has this three-step system of feeling safe in your environment and having purpose having Um, a purpose. It ended up tying into wellness, which was another turn I wasn't expecting. And the way that Amber runs her company is focused on self-care and making sure that her employees are are nurturing their own self-care so that they can give to the women that they are working with. And it's just a really cool story. And there are ways that you can get involved and you can hear all of those details as we head into the episode. Yeah. So we are excited to talk with Amber Runyon. So hi, Amber. Welcome to the Wine and Chime podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Hey there. How are you guys? Good. So we were really happy when I think your assistant reached out to us. Samantha. 
And we found out that you were actually from Columbus. And we were like, oh, this is amazing because one of the things we're trying to do here on Wine and Shine is connect to more people that are local in our community. And it was perfect that you have such a big space in the world right now with all of these things you're working on. And then to be also local to us, we thought that that was really neat. So do you mind sharing a little bit with our listeners about what you do and um, how did you even come to find yourself in Columbus? Have you been here always or is this a recent thing? Yeah. So um, I've always been in Columbus. I grew up in Columbus. I was a foster kid. So I kind of was in different areas of Columbus growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I became a nurse, decided that I wanted to like give back. And that landed me on medical mission trips, which landed me over in Ethiopia. Um, I fell in love with a little girl and knew that I just wanted to make her life better. Mm -hmm. Um, And then watched two little girls be sex trafficked in broad daylight over in Ethiopia. Um, and then in, in the process of like trying to figure out what to do with her and how to make her life better, like in trying to figure that out, I, I figured, uh, came back to Columbus and realized that that was still an issue here. So even if I were able to adopt her and bring her back to the light, of her being uh, sex trafficked in Ethiopia or Columbus was about the same. Um, and I just knew that I didn't want to live in a world where little girls and little boys could be bought and sold. Um, and so I looked at like, how do we solve this problem? How do we become a generation that goes from rape to redeem? And where do we fall short? And one of the places that we really fall short from a city standpoint, a state standpoint, and a national standpoint is employment opportunities. And so I decided decided to start a uh, company, cheapest company to start as a candle company. And so I just was like, okay, we'll start a company. And so I currently now run um, a social enterprise 11 candle company that employs women that have been victims of human trafficking, exploitation, or addiction. Wow. And when you went to Ethiopia, did you say it was that through your nursing program? Is that why you went there in the first place or what led you there to begin with? Um, I've done a bunch of medical mission trips kind mm. of in Kenya and either, um, Honduras and Haiti, but really focusing in Kenya and Haiti. Um, and in one of the trips, I was invited down to see an orphanage in Ethiopia and that's where I fell in love with Nubu, so. My goodness. And so you, so this, I want to go back and hear a little bit more about the story with the girl because I'm intrigued. Yeah, that's always, that's it reminds me of your, do you remember someone tried to like give you a baby Yeah, when we were yeah. in China Yeah, or when you went the first time in high school? No, no, no. It was with us. Oh, was it? Yeah, I, th- I believe so. We went to China just for a choir tour our senior year of college and somebody came up to me and was holding this child and they were like, take this child home. They were like wanting me to take this kid on the bus with me. And I, my heart, I was like, I, I want to take this child home. Like what is happening? Why are you giving 21. me this kid? Yeah, I'm only yeah. 21, but I don't think it's the, to the same extent. As no, I just story. it reminded me of it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I actually had that happen to me in Haiti um, where my mother walked up to um, myself and, and another person was on a trip together, just the two of us, and walked up and handed us her baby. And I was like, oh, What did you do? We, I mean, she like ran away. Like, she took up and like ran. So we found like an orphanage that, that somebody was connected with. And, oh yeah. my gosh. But Nulu was, was, was slightly different. So it was this, it was this kind of insane, uh, just like instant connection. And I just kept going back to see her over and over and over again. And that's when I realized the needs in her community. Mm. Um, and, and that's how I, that's how that kind of happened. Um, long story, because you guys are eventually going to ask, ask this question, what happened to Mulu now? Yeah. Fortunately, Mulu was kidnapped and, and I have not seen her in like a year and a half, two years. Oh my goodness. Um, fought on every local, state, federal level. We think we know where she is now, but still not 100% sure. And it's obviously, it's like really hard with the 
different, uh, different understandings and different levels and all those different things. And so I think that so that's definitely a harder part of the story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was definitely the driving force of why I started this organization, realizing that there are Mulus all over this world, even, even in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah. How like neat is it to bring that back to home too? Because we're also far removed from that. Like I've never been to Haiti or Ethiopia or any of these countries and you'll see commercials or you'll see like things like this happening in the magazine or on TV. But I don't think until you actually go there, that you realize the effect, what is actually happening. What's fascinating is that that's happening right here though, too. And so we don't have to go anywhere to find yeah, it. Right. Oh, so we just have to open up our, we just have to open up our, our, our awareness to what's going on around us and, and stop walking around in these, in these bodies that are dead into like everything around us and be aware that it's happening right here. In our very own so how do you, so you employ women that obviously have, you know, dealt with a lot of things, how do they find you or how do you connect with them? What's your way of, of getting involved with them? Yeah. So it started out kind of like, Hey, does anybody know anybody that's been trafficked? And and it's kind of trickled down to now where we have a wait list. We work with a lot of different um, programs like Catch Court and Salvation Army. Um, and she has a name, um, the organization and work with different ones to kind of uh, fill the different positions that we have. We work in nine month um, classes where they go through like healing and all of all of their programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we only, we only enroll, we only enroll classes um, every nine months. We take a three month break so that our home office staff doesn't completely and totally burn out. Mm. Cause mm. I'm sure that there's a high burnout rate in this line of work just because I'm, it's emotionally, it's emotionally exhausting. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is why we really value um, self-care in our organization. Now, if you'd asked me this like three years ago when I first started it, I would not have told you that's something that we value. Um, I experienced some pretty hardcore burnout and not having taken care of my issues, which bled over into, into obviously, I'm leading this organization. Yeah. Um, and um, self-care is something that we, that we really, really value as a company. So if you work for us, home office staff or um, women in the program, you're in counseling. Mm. And we have um, like days where we just go out as a company and like really work on things and we do group counseling. And, um, and so that's something that's really, really important because, and we take that three month break, not employing women with intention so that we're able to regroup. So that we're able to give our best self to the next group of women that come in. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is, I think a lot of people think of self-care as like lush bath bombs. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not, it's doing a really, really hard work and the crap that you need to do to live your best life. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a budget. And sometimes it's counseling and sometimes it's taking a break and going and hiking in the woods. Sometimes, and sometimes it is a bubble bath, Mm -hmm. but like made this like self-care thing, not actually what it, what it really is. Self-care is like digging in to your innermost self and like working on that stuff. My goodness. I, I, yeah, I'm 100% on board with that because that's my biggest philosophy in my health coaching is I work with primarily women and I see that, they're always, you know, pushing themselves to the brink and they're trying to do so much for either other people or their job or their kids. And they're not taking the time to concentrate and focus in on themselves. And it's it's so true. When you're not doing those things, you're not able to give to the work that you're out there trying to do. And I think like it's really important. And I love to hear that businesses are incorporating that yeah. because I don't think other companies are prioritizing it as much as they should. Well, I think that's what happens when you view your human resources as just like another, like I hate to say not as humans, but like 
oh, they're only going to be here like five to seven years tops. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just going to like get everything you can out of them. That's, mm-hmm. I think, what a lot of businesses do is just they don't really view them as humans. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, that it's just important that we model it from our home office staff, health, mental health and physical health and emotional health to the women in which we're trying to, in which we're trying to service so that they can follow by example. Yeah. And so if I'm unhealthy, then naturally every person in my organization is going to feel and lead that unhealthiness. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm healthy and leading from a healthy space, then everything else will trickle down through my organization in a healthy way, right? Mm-hmm. So if you show me an unhealthy leader, I'm going to show you an unhealthy organization. If you show me a healthy leader, I'll show you a healthy organization because it's all entrenched, especially like at a smaller level, like we are, mm-hmm. like if I'm not well, the company is not well. And if the company's not well, I'm not well. I had to learn how to separate those two things out. And I had to learn how to make myself well. And I had to learn how to make the company well. I wish our um, society was living yeah, that living way that. as a whole. So what kind of shifts have you seen in the women you're working with in Columbus? Like over the time that they, you know, from when they started to maybe if they've been there for a while working yeah, so one of uh, probably our best example is that we just promoted um, one of our one of our people from this this current class um, to production manager, and so she'll stay with us long term. So our goal is to be a short term transitional employer. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to to help these women have good healthy relationships with themselves and with work, and then find them permanent placements outside of our company, right? Because if we just employ people in our company, one nobody would leave because you have all the perks and all of the right. Two. Mm-hmm is that our, pro- our our company and program are designed to be this perfect little nest egg. That's not actual real world, right? And so we have to we have to kind of like put them in this nest egg until they're better and then, and then slowly shift them out into where they can work in the real world. So Felice just got promoted to um, production manager. So she'll stay with us long-term. And so it's been really cool to watch her grow from coming into the program to now where she's a leader in our company, where, you know, she, you know the, the, she's on like a, the same level as the other leaders in our company. And so that makes me believe that want these people, right? They don't want our, our used t-shirts. They want jobs and they don't want blessing bags. They want their kids back. And so this is just proof of that, that they actually want these things. We said the society had to figure out how to like deal and handle this. Right. And so one of the things that we really focus on is trauma. Um, and, and how do we work with this from this wellness standpoint to make these women well? Because if they're well, then they're well employees and they're well moms and they're mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And so when you look at the problems that we have, we have to figure out a way to lower the cost of impact, increase the number of people that we're impacting. And so if we can lower the cost of impact by incorporating this stuff in work, then we don't have to have three-year-long programs for these people to be enrolled in. We can work with them in a really intensive way and lower that cost of impact so we can increase the number of people that we're impacting. That's amazing. Yeah, and that's so great that it's like you don't want to have you don't want like a customer forever. It's like, you're here to do the work, right? Like you're here to help people get well and then send them off to continue and lead the life that they want to lead. And that's such a beautiful thing. Right. So I think that that's the key is that, is that we figure out a way to do this, but, but not shortchange it, right? If somebody mm-hmm. needs extra months or extra time, we're not going to shortchange them their healing and be like, oh, I'm sorry, your time's up. Yeah. But we're but we really work with on, and, and that's something that like this year as an initiative, as a company, we're really, really sinking our teeth into is how do we, how do we really hone in on this, 
on this therapeutic model? How do we really hone in on this trauma care? And it kind of started with me in that the last year, I went through a lot of counseling and a lot of EMDR and a lot of work here and found out like how to do this for my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And and that just will transcend into how do we really help these women heal? So what is the, I mean, I've heard just like, I listen to NPR pretty regularly. So I know some about these issues in Columbus, but obviously like not on an in-depth level. What does human trafficking look like in Columbus? Like, I mean, obviously it's just happening around us and we're probably just oblivious to, I mean, I'm sure like at popular places like Easton, (laughs) there's stuff going on. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm curious with what the population of women look like in your community right now, because I'm pretty blind to it too. I mean, I live here and I'm not sure I would see it happening. Mm -hmm. Sure. And that's because, and this is something that we're also focusing on as a company, it's because the face of human trafficking is not actually what you think it is. Mm. So initially you guys are probably taking yourselves down to Parsons Avenue and thinking of a woman that has a needle stuck in her arm. The woman that we work with look just like both of you. Wow. So how do you find these women? Do they, have they found you out of hearing what you're doing or how does this work? A lot of them have found us, but we also work with a lot of different agencies like the Salvation Army and Catch Court right. that have people that have kind of worked through their program that are now ready for employment. If the stereotypes are wrong, because I've, I've always kind of, it's probably just me watching like, too many TV shows. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, like, they get into drugs and then they can't afford the drugs. So they get into, you know, this other stuff to afford the habit. Like, how, what's the alternative way that someone gets involved in human trafficking? So the average age that a girl in Columbus enters into human trafficking is 13. Mm, wow. So what happens is a, a lot of it is, is that the, these pimps and these madams are really, really smart and they invest a lot of time and a lot of money into these women because the return on investment is pretty great, right? And so if he'll start with her through Snapchat or through Instagram or through whatever, and he'll get to learn her and he'll know her. And then, so a lot of the girls still live at home, right? Because you're like, well, then why aren't there a million missing kids, right? right? It's because a lot of them are still living at home. There's a really great documentary on Netflix called I Am Jane Doe that walks through. And some of the some of the people in the movie are actually from Columbus. Senator oh, Portman was really big in getting this documentary produced. And so it talks about like how this happens. And a lot of it is coercion. And a lot of it is finding these girls' vulnerability, whether they feel unloved, whether they feel un, you know, unwanted or all these different things. And so a lot of it is digitally. And, uh, and, and there's, there's sites like Backpage, which I know we, you know, they did a work to shut down, but there's still more sites like that popping up every single day and Craigslist and those sort of things. And so what happens is that is that it's happening in the really nice hotels, right? We are a city that is an incredibly wealthy city, surrounded by definitely surrounded by pockets of wealth. We have New Albany and we have Dublin and we have, you know, Worthingtons and we have all these really big pockets of wealth. And so it's the wealthy buying, not necessarily the poor buying. So yes, mm. it is the woman down on Parsons Avenue that everybody kind of stereotypes as a human trafficking victim, a human trafficking victim. Yes. She is, but we need to turn our eyes and open up our open up our consciousness to what what else that looks like, and it looks like women that are just like you guys, and it looks like women that are just like me, um, who have either made a bad decision and got addicted to drugs, got addicted to perks after her hysterectomy, and that wasn't enough, so she went into heroin, so that wasn't enough, so she needed to find a way to do this. There was this guy that told her if she sold herself, so yes, that's also a way. But then we also have our little 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds who are being tricked by these men and women to bring them in. Like they see the signs like acting, you're, you know, acting on the side of the road mm-hmm. or, um, 
or summertime jobs or whatever, those are also human trafficking. Mm. Um, and so people are getting lured into it and, and coaxed into it. Um, and we just, we don't have the right, we don't have the right education out for to identify people so that we know what this looks like. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important. Like we talk a lot about, I feel like a lot of our conversations have been about like positivity, body positivity and self-love and all of these things that I think a lot of people view as really like, I don't know, like fluffy and or buzzwords. Yeah. Or, uh, but it's important because if you're able to teach that, especially to children early and you can, yes. you can prevent some of this if they can love themselves and see value in themselves. I mean, obviously like if people are tricking, that's, that's hard to get around that part. But if you have girls that are confident and love themselves, there's less of a chance because they're, they're developing those, those self-love habits. It's just an epidemic that I see in so many women. And it's unfortunate that even, I mean, these young girls get tricked into these situations and it's all, I, there, I love that there's a way that you guys are educating them and bringing them back to themselves. What have you found is the most helpful service that you've provided in making change in these women's lives? Is it just a combination of things or has, I, I keep thinking like this counseling piece must be yeah, so, so people need beautiful. Thrive, right. Or people need three things to like really succeed in their life. What happens is that most people already have these things in place. So you don't think that people need these, right? Mm-hmm. But people need three things, safe place, safe people, and a purpose, right? So you need safe place. So you have to create a safe work environment. You have to create a safe um, place for them to come because once they're safe, then they're going to be able to put their walls down and heal. Yeah. They need safe people. That means safe home office staff. That means safe volunteers. That means safe all these different things. You have to create safe place and safe people. And then the part that we forget so much is purpose. We have to give them purpose. We have to give them a reason to get out of bed. We have to give them a reason to stop using drugs. We have to give them a reason to get their life back on track. We have to give them a reason. We have to give them that purpose. If you and I didn't have a purpose, I probably wouldn't have gotten out of bed today. I probably would have laid in my PJs until noon. Mm-hmm. Because I had a purpose. I had to get up out of bed because I had a seven o'clock meeting. Right. And so it's safe place, safe people and purpose. Now, what are, how do you break all those different things down? Sure. It's counseling, the earn why you learn programs that we do. And it's the teaching them how to eat healthy and teaching them. And once we, once we work on their whole person, that's what makes the change. So you can't just like pick and piece all this together. You have to look at it as like a whole person, a holistic kind of way of healing. And you need those three key components, safe place, safe people and purpose. Mm. Yeah. As as a holistic health coach, that's what I'm working with all the time. It's like, it's not just this symptom. It's not just this one thing. It's how do all of these pieces fit in together? And like my thing's always mind, body, spirit, right? That's my three things. And it's like, you're, I love the three things that you have. And it's just, it's not just in this one situation. It goes in all things. We need to look at the broader picture and then use our tools to break things down and start to make the changes. Absolutely. Because with your mind, body, and spirit, right? So your body keeps score, remember? So you've mm-hmm. got to heal your body and from all the things that happened to that. So specifically for our women, the trauma that your body yeah. stores, you have to heal your body. So yoga and, and those sort of things. Yep. And then your mind, you have to get your mind right. Because if you don't have a sound mind, you're not going to have a sound, right? Nothing. There's no clarity if it's all just full of stuff. Right. So we work with EMDR and, and treating and treating their trauma with EMDR. And then their spirit, your spirit becomes, begins to become well when your body is well and your yeah. mind is well, right? And so you can't just be like, oh, like get your spirit straight. Yeah. You have to work all of those things together in order for 
them to, in order for them to like really make sense. I did not understand that nor appreciate that until my last year's worth of journey kind of threw that for myself. And now I'm like, everybody needs that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's building blocks because if you like the body thing is always has to come first. It's like you have to, in my world, it's like you have to nurture your body and nourish it in order for it to feel well, in order for your mind to start feeling well, in order for you to get to that spiritual sense or that spiritual part. Um, yeah, it's all building blocks. And, and a I, holistic view is is just what I'm all about. I think too, with with your part, the safe place. Yes. Like, I think that's probably like, not to place like one important over another, but I would think that's probably the the first key is making sure that they have that network of support and feel feel that. Mm-hmm. Just like I think the body is probably like a starting point. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to think about their relationship with work. For the last however many years, work to them has meant that they've been brutally raped or or beaten or drugged or all these different things. So you have to rewire and rechain their minus what work means. That punching in and out is not a punishment. It's accountability. Mm-hmm. And when you're late, there's you get in trouble for that because that's accountability. And so you have to rewire and redo all of that thinking, but in a safe space where they know that they're not going to be in trouble, where they know that they're not going to be sexually harassed, where they know that they don't have to use their body as their commodity, that they're actually loved and, 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 and valued for who they are, not what they can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. For listeners, I mean, and not just in Columbus, this can be anywhere. Like, what are some signs? I've seen like in airports, you know, like signs like things to look for for human trafficking, but what are some some things that people may be able to catch and possibly contact authorities if they need to? Yeah, so I think it starts with the people that are closest to you, right? So we all want to like start our like little searches and be like, where are the human trafficking victims? <laughs> but chances are statistically, you know somebody or know somebody who is, right? That, that That's happening to them. So we need to be aware and we need to engage. So we need to engage our children. We need to engage in their cell phones. I promise you that my children will still be living on the farm. I don't have them yet, but I will at 30 years old and never have a cell phone because this is the number one way that kids get trafficked is their phones, Snapchat and Instagram and all of these other tools. The second thing is, is that we, when we see something, we say something, right? I love that saying. I think everybody should continue to say that. Is that if my gut or my intuition tells me that something is wrong with this person, chances are they're probably wrong with that person. And even if they're not, it's best that you still go ahead and say that, right? Whether it's to that person, hey, I've noticed that you've been more withdrawn and there's this older guy hanging around and you're carrying new purses and you're wearing your hair differently and you are having your nails done every other day and you quit your job. Mm. Something's not lining up. Yeah. But we live in this world where it's like, that's not really my problem. Yeah. So, and so, and so the, the, that we begin to engage with people, we begin to engage with the people that we love so that we can have these conversations. One, two, we talk about human trafficking as if it's actually happening. And we talk about it and, and that people like when it happens within their, their family and that they're not ashamed that their child was trafficked or that they're, we begin to talk about it, right? The reason that this, can, that this continues to happen is because it's in darkness. And so we have to bring light to that darkness, right? Where light enters darkness has to flee. It doesn't have an option. And so we have to continue to bring light to this. So there are so many different documentaries on Netflix and in every other resource where people can really begin to learn about it. I, what I do is I encourage people to just dig in. Start Googling. Go to PolarisProject.org, which talks to, which is a great anti-human trafficking website, which will talk about like how specifically in, in your in your life, right? Are you a nurse? Are you a hairdresser? Are you a whatever that you can begin to identify the things within your area? 
right? Within, within what you do. And, and it doesn't necessarily look like what we think it looks like. It looks like people carrying new purses and having all this extra wealth and, and not showing up for basketball and, and those different things. That's what it looks like mm. oftentimes. And so there, there are a bunch of telltale signs, but I think the more that people begin to learn about what it looks like in their life and in their community, right? So it's going to look a lot different on Hilltop than it is in Upper Arlington. Yeah. Right. So we you kind of have to figure out what does human trafficking look like like in my area, right? And and then begin to really understand how to identify that within your within your circle of people and then within what's around you. That's right. I think so quickly people just want to go like out searching for it. Yeah. how do we identify this? Like, where's this happening? I'm gonna take it down. And if they just walked one street over and paid attention to the, to their neighbor, then you don't have to go searching for it. Yeah. My awareness has been broadened so much from this conversation yeah. because I, I would have never even No, I literally thought, thought like I'd see someone walking like at the mall, like looking scared with some guy behind her. Like mm-hmm. that's what I, and like that she'd look at me and be like, help yeah. or something. Like yeah. that's what I thought the signs would be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's Hollywood or right, know, yeah, no, it is media portrayals of what might happen. Yeah, but. and as a teacher, it's made me think with this whole social media thing, like how many young girls are even coming across this sort of stuff because social media is not private all of the time, and that's really frightening. Like you said, like when I have kids, they're not going to have a cell phone. You know, it is. It's very frightening, and I think that's why it's so important just to keep tabs on the people that are close to you and making sure that everything is good and safe and well. Oh, for sure. And I think, too, that it's just holding us holding each other accountable, right? I think that we live in a day and age where where we don't hold each other accountable. You say whatever you want to say on whatever social media, blah, 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 when, when we really should be holding each other accountable. Like, hey, is Johnny really going where Johnny's saying he's going, mm-hmm. right? So I've talked to uh, thousands of parents, either, either in speaking engagements or just in general just in general conversation and I'll tell them about these telltale signs and I'll be like, so do you actually know where he's going? Do you track his phone? Well, no, I can't track his phone. That's his privacy. I don't know if kids are entitled. Maybe that's just me being like, a whole other podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think, I think that that, but that's where it starts. Right. And I think that people look at this issue. They're like, okay, we need to solve this. Like, how do we do this? How do we do this? And you don't have to start a foreign and domestic, a nonprofit, a for-profit to solve this, right? I did that. Looking back, that was absolutely crazy. <laughs> but you okay. can be in your very own lane, exactly where you are, and just be aware of this. So you're a teacher. You can stay in your lane as a teacher and bring about awareness to this. Mm-hmm. You can be a health coach, right? And, and say, I am going to give X amount of hours pro bono to this cause and I'm going to find an anti-human trafficking organization and I'm going to help coach these women. Mm-hmm. You in your lane can say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in my lane. We don't need a bunch of people like now if people want to do that. That's great. And I strongly recommend it. Mm-hmm. If you want to give up everything and, and go full in, do it. But we just need to be more conscious and more aware in our own everyday lives that this is actually happening. Yeah. So can people volunteer, like what is volunteering or helping 11th Candle Company? So right where I like? was going, Liz. Yeah. That was my next yeah. question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we used to have a pretty big volunteer program and then um, we had a couple of sour apples and that ended pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> no, life happens. 
Yeah, don't you hate that when that happens? Yeah. Uh, the more that we have volunteers, the less the less people that we can employ. And so, really, the best way to support us, and this is going to sound mind blowing, is to buy a candle. Um, and the best way to, to support us is to share about us, right? If every listener that you have goes and finds us on social media and likes us and then shares something about us, that is how this sort of stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, another way is to donate to the nonprofit so that we can provide the coaching and the counseling that we need to be able to provide. Um, and so everybody always wants to kind of dig their hands in. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that this we're, that's just not how we're designed. Really, the best way to support us is to support the women is to buy our products that they create and to come alongside them to, so that they can do their Earn Way Learn program so that they can um, advance to phase two and things like that. So it's either by donation or by buying the candle. Well, yeah. the candles looked great. I was looking we online. We were looking them up. I was like, I want some lavender. I want some honey and fig. Like- yeah. <laughs> I know. We already picked out a couple candles that we're going to buy. And we cannot wait to promote this to our listeners. And we should do some sort of cool you promotion on it, Liz. Mother's Day is coming up. Yeah, May. Like, that's a good time to buy a candle. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we, and we do like a Mother's Day pack. It's like a oh, three cool. pack for Mother's Day. But I'll have Samantha send you guys over a promo code for your... For your um, Oh, awesome. Like, a, like they'll get a percentage off or whatever. That'll that, be awesome. That's the best way to support us. If you know someplace that we can come and speak, be it a school or a PTO or a women's club or or whatever, that, that, that you reach out to our organization and you invite us in to come speak so that the more that we can talk about this, the more that we can educate people on this, yep. the more that, that it helps everybody. If you're looking to get involved from like a, just a straight up volunteer, mm-hmm. she has a name. Is the is the um, is the absolute best anti-human trafficking volunteer kind of place where they they, they can place people in volunteer places. We do tons and tons of training. Could not be bigger fans if she has a name. And so if that's something that your listeners are like, you know what, I actually really just want to volunteer. She has a name, and and I believe in community over competition. And so I'm not competing with any other anti-human trafficking organization. I'm competing to end you into human trafficking. And so we definitely promote our other organizations. Um, Out of Darkness is another organization where if you want to volunteer and get involved, they have a house on a person's avenue. We really, um, you know, kind of point people in that direction. For us, we're trying to employ the women. And so it's really kind of a hard, sticky place for volunteers. Well, the candles is such a great idea. And they're wonderful candles. I mean, they're made out of soy and they're all all handmade. Yep, 100% cotton wick. We use high quality fragrance oils, which is a mix between synthetic and fragrance uh, and essential oils. So, mm-hmm. awesome. did you say, Liz, you saw a beeswax candle? I did see a beeswax there candle. Is, let me tell you why we got a beeswax candle because we had a million people email us and tell us, I have sensitivity to this. Or, yeah. I don't like fragrances or blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, beeswax is actually a natural air purifier. Mm-hmm. And if you want to add your essential oils, you can definitely add that to it because it's a natural carrier. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the one I'm getting. How do so you add essential people, oils to it? And we listened to at least a bunch of people and said, okay, we'll make an essential <laughs> Yeah. Wait, it's, so how do you, is it like when it's lit, you, you just, just add, add a couple oils drops? I mean, I cannot advise you to do it when it's lit. Okay. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you're going to start a little fire. Okay. Uh, no. Do not put oil on fire. <laughs> It's cool. I put metal in the microwave today. Uh, we have a little sticker on the bottom. And I that's like the thing that we quality check about 50 times. We actually put that little sticker on the bottom. Um, we also have uh, beeswax black smelts, which are a little bit easier oh. to put oils in. So there's no flame that you can just drop this oils right over. Yeah. So cool. have to, now I want... Can- well, and it's like rainy right now. I, I wish I had a candle. No. That one lit right now. <laughs> Here's a really funny story. I don't actually like candles. No way. 
Yeah, I was like looking, like, do I even have one on my desk? I do not. Um, you don't use your own candles? So it's, um, I, well, only when we're testing them. Right. And it's not that I like, I'm not like opposed to candles. Yeah. I just some people who like love candles, which we love those people. Yeah. I just happen not to be one of those people. Yeah. I love candles, but I used to use the Bath and Body Works candles all of the time. And if you're talking about not purified air, that's the way to go. Like if you want to get all the chemicals in the air, get Bath yeah. and Body Works candles. Clearly not sponsored right. by Bath and Body Works. <laughs> not sponsored by them. Yeah, no. And so what we what we learned was that we wanted to be a, a conscious company across the board. Yeah. And so how do we make the cleanest candle? How do we? And everybody's like, why don't you just use 100 percent essential oils? One, it costs about 100 dollars a candle. True. Um, wow. Two and two, uh, they just don't burn well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we use a synthetic blend, um, mm-hmm. which incorporates both. But we really did look at like how do we make this um, as you know we, we just want to be conscious with what we give to the world, and that was just one of the ways that we were conscious. So if our listeners want to get involved, you've you've said a couple places they can go for volunteer work. They can obviously purchase candles. Um, the is the website Eleventh Candle Co. Right. That's correct. 11 com. They can purchase things there. And, and then, then obviously follow on social. Yes. Yeah. And they can read about our story. So we broke our website up into like kind of two different sides. One is like, if you just want to buy a candle and you don't care about anything about our story, and then the other side kind of tells you about our story and what we do and how we function and all of that kind of stuff. And legacy is the way to actually just donate money, right? That's correct. Okay. Which is also on the 11 com or give to legacy.org. Both will take you to the kind of the exact same little spot. Um, but it, it, uh, 11 Candle also tells the story of legacy. So there are two different companies, but they work collectively together to make it all happen. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so, I'm sad I haven't heard about this earlier. Me too. And I'm really proud that our community, just from being from Columbus and you growing up in Columbus, I'm so proud that we have people in this community that are doing such amazing work. So thank you for doing this and thank you for coming on and sharing your story. It's been so wonderful. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. All right, Wine and Shiners. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode and please, I we cannot encourage you enough. You know, Mother's Day is around the corner. There's always an occasion. A candle is like the quintessential, like, I don't know what to get someone. Everybody likes candles. Get them um, a candle. Yeah, choose 11th Candle Company. They have lots of, you know, we looked online. There's lots of great scents. There's, and a beeswax candle. Yeah, Nina's all about that beeswax. Sensitive, sensitive Sally's out there. <laughs> Sally. Oh, goodness. But yes, please go online. And if you if candles aren't your bag, there's ways to donate yeah. so that they can actually, you know, they can have funds needed to continue this program. And then she gave lots of great resources if you actually want to, like, get involved, feed on the street. Um, you know, that's not something that they do as much anymore at 11th, but there are lots of resources for you to do that. So please um, get involved with this. I know we're going to you know, work to do that ourselves Mm -hmm. here. So yeah. And check our social media and our stories for a special discount code from Amber that she's offering to all of the wine and shine listeners. If you're interested in purchasing a candle and helping out the organization. All right. Well, as always do follow us on social media, give us a little subscribe and review. We always love those things. As always, you can find us on Facebook and you can join our Facebook group, the wine and shiners. We can't wait to see you in there. Yes. And last but not least, we have a Patreon. So if you'd like to contribute to the podcast directly, that is patreon.com slash wine and shine podcast. And that's that's it. That's it for our announcements. That's all we got. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will catch you again next week.